Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the portable Pastor Mike Stafford coming to you from a Clover Blue Gray office here in Clover, South Carolina at First Baptist Church. Got my pumpkin spice coffee in hand. Oh, it is good to be watching some football and hanging out with God's people. So let me just tell you something. Today, we're going to be looking at a, uh, a new mini-series within a series. Okay, we're going to look at prayers for the next few weeks. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And so today we're going to come to a teaching by which, uh, you know, Christ is going to focus on on prayer. So you're going to recognize this when we get to his famous uh, teaching on, on that subject that includes the Lord's Prayer. But for the next three weeks, we're going to look at this topic. Today, we're going to look at secret prayers, next week, simple prayers, and the third Sunday, sacred prayers. So let's talk generally about prayer for a moment. I think that we probably need some kind of lead up into this. So prayer, what is it? Why is it important? Ultimately, ultimately, prayer is worship. Okay, it's a form of communication between God and his followers. It's like it's like a worship service. It it consists of elements communicated to God just like we do in a worship service. You know, we we adore him, we praise him, we confess our sins, we we we're, we express our gratitude to him, we come to him with thanksgiving. There's moments of of supplication when we, you know, we, we think of others, we pray for others, we welcome others. So in that way, it's kind of like a worship service. It, it includes times of listening and contemplation, but that, that communication, that constant contact with God, it only serves to strengthen the relationship between us and God. Okay. It always focuses on, on the follower of of, of the person who's following the will of God. It's exactly, it, it's exactly what he wants from, from his servant. All right. It's that person's job to find the will of, of the father. It, it's kind of like breathing. You know, you breathe out expressing thoughts to God and you breathe in hearing the thoughts of God. So it, it's a special necessary part of being a Christian. Well, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. Let's talk about the context for a moment. Jesus wanted to teach his followers about prayer. And just like the other topics topics that he's already broached in this, this really famous sermon, Jesus, Jesus is going to once again chap those poor old Pharisees. Yep, he's, he's going to slam them again. And, and they must have thought, and the hits just keep on coming. <laughs> yeah, well, what were they guilty of this time? So the guilt was not... In, in the prayer. It was not in the public prayer. That was okay. Jesus and the apostles, they, they all prayed in public from time to time. That was not the issue. The problem was that they were praying with with pride, with politics, with personal gain in mind. Now, that's a lot of P's, I know, but get ready. Most of my points today are going to start with the letter P. So they were using prayer to prop up their arrogance. They They would use really eloquent, flowery words, you know, flowery speech to make themselves look like they had this this great godly wisdom on their side. So they they were using they were using prayer for you know for for personal gain. But they were also using prayer for political gain. Remember, these were religious leaders. 
in order to lead and to have the respect, they needed notoriety. They, they needed to have this respect to stay in the limelight of power. And I can prove it. Turn over to Luke 18. Hold your finger right there in Matthew chapter 6. Turn over to Luke 18 if you're not driving. Beginning with verse 10, we're going to see that Jesus is, is teaching another parable. And he says this, Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other one a tax collector. Sounds like a, a joke starting right there, doesn't it? But it's not. He's serious. Verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterous, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So in that parable, Jesus condemned prayer that's used for pride and political gain. Okay? So these men were even, they, they, they were using they were using prayer for, for personal gain too. If, if men would hear them pray so eloquently, then others would come and ask them to pray for them. And when Pharisees prayed for you, it was expect, and there was an expectation that you would reward them for doing that. Now turn over just a couple more pages to Luke chapter 20. Listen to verse 45 and 46. And in the hearing of all the people who said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Now check this out, verse 47, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So these religious leaders, these religious politicians, they would pray for and pray on widows in order to extort their 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 possessions. So these men demanded, you know, notoriety, notoriety, respect, even payment for this this pious work of prayer. So Jesus communicated God's hatred for for these kinds of prayers. He felt the need in, in Matthew chapter 6 to correct this, this demeaning, uh, greedy, public model of prayer. He, he wanted to teach his followers that, that God truly valued the prayer practices of his, of his followers, of the believers. So this is that teaching. And as we read it, keep in mind what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing. So follow along as I read Matthew chapter 6. Unless you're driving, then just listen. You don't need to have a wreck out there. All right, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Yep. Jesus smacks them again, doesn't he? All right. So here's the teaching. Here's the teaching. Number one, he teaches the necessity of prayer. 5a says, not when you pray. I mean, not if you pray, but when you pray. See, there, there's an expectation of, a, of prayer to be in a believer's life. Well, and I, I think, well, why wouldn't it be there? I mean, does an employer have the right to expect 
you know, his employee to communicate the happenings of the day, what's going on in his business? Shouldn't a loving spouse communicate with their loved one? Shouldn't a servant find out the will of the master? Shouldn't a son or a daughter communicate with the father? There's an expectation there, not really an expectation, a necessity. That's what, that's what led George Herbert to say, prayer should be the key of the day and the lock of the night. The key of the day, the thing that opens up your day and the things that shuts it down and secures it at night. How long, how, how will, how will you know the path and have the strength needed for the day if God's not giving it to you? How, how will you have peace and safety through the night if God doesn't give it to you? So prayer is a necessity. Jesus alludes to this. And then secondly, he mentions the hypocrisy of self-righteous prayers. The hypocrisy of self-righteous prayers. The Pharisees were, I mean, let's face it, they were serial hypocrites, right? They were guilty of this many times a day. Their prayers reflected their hypocrisy. Jesus calls them hypocrites in verse 5. You must not be like the hypocrites. He's pointing right to the Pharisees. And he uses the word must. This is, this is a, an urgent, important teaching. Why? Why is that so urgent? Because God's not pleased with hypocrisy. Jesus knew this. The Pharisees should have known this. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? That's hypocrisy. That, that term means to behave opposite of what you believe. For example, let, let me just give you a modern day example. The whole sexual agenda sweeping our country is, is hypocritical. I mean, a fluid sexuality advocate would tell you, you know, we should love everyone regardless of the sexual preferences and beliefs. Love everyone. And then they turn right around and they seethe and they hate anyone who believes that heterosexuality is the right way. That is hypocritical. So the Pharisees were hypocrites. They proclaimed their own righteousness. They would pray in public in order to put it on display, but they only did it for their own gain. They, they were, according to Jesus, they were whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, but holding death on the inside. Their prayers were not reflecting God's righteousness at all. They, they were hypocrites. And Jesus, he condemned hypocrisy in prayer. Then thirdly, he mentions the secrecy of prayer. What did he say in verse 6? But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Why does your father, I mean, what does, what does your, your father who is in secret, what does that mean? Isn't God everywhere? Well, I had to look that up. I, I, I don't know. So in Matthew Poole's commentary, he says that your father who is in secret is a, is a phrase used to describe God knowing the most secret designs, scopes, and intentions of our hearts. God knows those secret things about us. And when we pray in secret, there's no selfish benefit to be gained from the world. The world isn't even aware that we're praying, but God does. He knows our motives. In secrecy, there's no hiding our intentions and no hiding our motives from him. Only in secrecy can such pure communication be made with our creator, with the creator of the universe. So Jesus mentions the necessity of prayer, the hypocrisy of self-righteous prayer, and the secrecy of prayer. Now he's going to mention the reward of prayer. What did Jesus say in 6b? And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Well, what does that mean? I mean, is he sitting up there like a, a, a you know a god with human treats? Speak, boy, speak, 
Speak, boy. No, that, that's, that's ridiculous. Remember, remember, God likes righteous works, but he prioritizes righteousness. In other words, he's more concerned with our being than our doing. The scriptures t- teach us that. So this verse doesn't mean he'll reward us for the act of prayer. We got to keep this teaching in context. Jesus means that God will reward us for the correct motives in our hearts when we pray. And the Pharisees' motives were personal. They were prideful. The correct way to pray is to pray with a motive for God's pleasure, a motive to receive his direction in order that, that, that we can act on it. We, when we're in the middle of God's will, we, we are living in a way that is pleasing to him. He blesses us with grace and mercy and, and all sorts of blessings. And those things are rewards for humble and obedient service. That's why, that's why James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So our right prayers always come from a humility in which God is, he's already aware. He's already aware. He knows our motives. So there's a reward for that. So that's the teaching. That's what Jesus said. Now, what are the takeaways? How do we, we, how how are we to apply this to our lives? Well, number one, and here's where the peas come in. (laughs) Number one, we're to prize the practice of prayer. Value it. See the special gift that it is. We get to talk with God. We get to talk with him plainly. Now, we're going to talk about that next week when we cover simple prayers. But what we can value prayer when we see it for what it really is. The problem is, is that most Christians, they see this as some sort of some sort of next level communication, like they're not, they're un- unworthy. They're not worthy to be a part of that. So they say things like, well, I- I'm not allowed to talk to him, am I? I'm on the lowest level. I don't know how to talk to God. I don't know how to talk to a holy God. They would say, what if I mess up? What if I say something wrong? What if I cuss? <laughs> As if, you know, God's unapproachable and doesn't already know what what you've been talking about the rest of your day. So just talk to him. Start with hello and go from there. When I was a youth pastor, I had over my, my tenure, I had over 30 interns. And those interns except for the ones who were the, uh, the, the sons and daughter of our pastor, were scared to go to him. They were afraid to go knock on his door. They thought, I can't just go in there and talk to Dave. I was like, yeah, you can. I do it all the time. Just go in there and talk to him. Go in there and ask him your question. Listen, uh, until you begin to value the awesome privilege of getting to talk with the highest being in the universe, until you you see that that is a value and a privilege and see that he wants you to come to him to discuss the things in your life, you're never going to make that a practice. You're never going to do that. So you must see the value in that and prize the practice of prayer. The second takeaway is you must protect the privacy of prayer. If you're like most, you you have a lot of people wanting part of your day, okay? We're, we're just just needed. A lot of folks want to have some FaceTime with us, you know, that, uh, an employee or employer or family member or kids or teacher. Somebody wants to have some of your time, which sounds kind of hypocritical if you think about it because, you know, God values FaceTime and pe- most people are unwilling to 
to uh, to spend time with him in prayer. But anyway, a lot of people want your time, okay? And you only have so much. So your friends and your family, they, they have to, and others, they, they, they should come to the point where they, they know when you're going to pray and they respect that. There's no sense in calling you at seven o'clock or whenever it is you pray. Protect that time. Protect that time. Close the door. Don't allow people to interrupt. You're having an important conversation with folks. So protect the privacy of your prayer time. And finally, the third takeaway is to presume God's presence in your prayer. Presume God's presence in your prayer time. If he expects your attention, you know, if he knows your intentions, if he's going to reward your motives, you better believe he's going to be there. You're not just saying things to say them. We don't need to pray rote prayers over over jewelry in order to be blessed or forgiven. You're not going through the motions. You're not talking to a, an automated voicemail system, you know, like Gabriel up there. Uh, you know, he's, he's screaming through the ceiling. Listen closely for God's voicemail options have changed. <laughs> no, God is listening. He's always listening. He doesn't even need to sleep. He's always aware. And he wants... He wants to hear from you and he wants you to hear from him. So talk, but then, you know, be quiet and listen too, because he's there. He expects you to be there. Expect him to be there. Presume God's presence in your prayer. So here's the main point of the teaching, right? Here's the main point. This is the main takeaway that I want you to have. Here it is. Are you ready? God values sincere private prayer. Yep, that's it. Wow. God values sincere private prayer with you. That's the main point. You think, well, you just spent, you know, 20 minutes of my time. You could have just said that in the first in the first place. You didn't have to spend 20 or 30 minutes of my time telling me that. Why don't you just go ahead and tell me that God values sincere private prayer? Well, if I hadn't have gone through some of those things, maybe that truth would have just been looked over. Okay. I mean, maybe it would have been applied, but probably not. So we had to discuss those things, but it really is this simple. It really is this simple. God spells love, T-I-M-E. He wants your time. He wants your attention. He wants your focus. He wants you to talk to him, and he wants to talk to you. It really is that simple, and that's what Jesus is teaching here. With a heart right with the right motives, not out of a sense of pride or, you know, public gain, you know, none of those things. With the right motives, God values spending time with you. Would you carve out some time? That sounds even, you know, horrible to say it like that way, but would you carve out some time in your day to spend alone in secret with God? He wants this time with you. Let me pray that God makes that real in all of our lives. Join me in prayer. God, sometimes we get too busy and we forget to talk to you. And we don't, we don't want that to be anymore. God, you've, you've convicted us. You've taught us what you want. And we don't want to pray for just our own personal gain or, you know, personal benefit. God, we want to pray because we want to know you more. We want to represent you. We want to we want to know which path to go down and which direction to take. And, and we want to know the right words to respond, but we can only do that when we spend time with you. God, help us to carve out and determine to spend time with you. 
Father, I ask that you'd burn this on our brains in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope that's a challenge to you, man. It definitely is to me. And I hope you have a great rest of the week. Come back next week. We're going to talk about some simple prayers and why people feel the need to to go on and on and on in their prayer life with all this flowery speech. God just reads right through that. It does not impress him at all. But we'll talk about that next week. Look, have a great week. If you want to start an online conversation, email me, Mike at FBC Clover, as in First Baptist Church, Mike at FBCClover.com. Well, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. And remember, if you're walking with God and have the right intentions and you're walking with God, he is very much pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time. Be blessed, and remember, God is pro-you.